The woman who felt the worth was a good day for you, and I hope you get to sleep in the next week or so tomorrow night. <laughs> the woman who fell to earth and made her home and a happy new testament to her wife in the UK. Hello and welcome back to Cloisterbell, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Liam and Rob. Hello everyone, we're back, and if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about before the titles, that was our weekly Doctor Who predictive text review game. <laughs> Not yeah. really a game, just a review in general. Yeah, threw up some interesting results. Yeah. Predictive text though, maybe we should um, do a predictive review of series 12. <laughs> right now? Should we do it right now? Do it. Okay, right now, yeah. Hold on. I'll go first... Well, mine's a load of gibberish. Doctor Who, the 12th series, was the day going to be a legend and give Yaya eyes, Yaya no, Yaya soon, Yaya. What's just that? Load of, just a load of gibberish. What's yours? Hang on, I'll just type it out now. Hang on. This is some kind of algorithm based on how I speak. That, that just um, says a lot about my texts to people. Well, just, mine's... Just a load th- of gibberish. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine's thrown up Series 12 of Doctor Who is a good tune in his head and will certainly help. Ah. A good tune in his head? Yeah. Hmm. There'll be a new theme tune. Possibly. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, see if, we'll see if either of those predictive texts hold up when Series yes. 12 actually comes here, yeah. We'll see how accurate that was. Yeah. So today's the first anniversary of the podcast. Our first one came out a year ago today. And Liam, why on earth did we do a podcast? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I've got a vague notion that you first suggested it quite a while back. Um, I've, and... got, I've got a memory of you first suggesting it. Well, no, no, this was... So what, my memory of it, because way back we wanted to do uh, an online uh, Doctor Who magazine. Oh, yes. Um, and I think... I've. I've got a vague memory that you maybe mentioned doing a podcast at some point. Of course, we did do a podcast back then, didn't we? Did we? We did a one-off, a one-off podcast. I can't remember. On my brother-in-law's podcast show. Oh, yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. I've still uh, got that somewhere. Yeah, uh, where we were looking at the uh, the Alien movies. Yeah. So, going back to what, it, what um, Liam was said, we, did a, we started writing a Doctor Who fanzine. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, well, that was the sort of the initial idea, uh, but you had actually sort of pointed out that the problem is is that that sort of market is um, well, there's an awful lot, so we ended up trying to broaden it a bit. Um, so we would look at Doctor Who, but we'd also look at um, old television series in general and movies. I remember I was writing quite a few reviews for um, the James Bond uh, movies and so on, but. Um, Although we wrote quite a bit, actually, in terms of producing, I think we did one issue, uh, but then we just found it incredibly time-consuming. It was it was very difficult to find the time. And yeah. then after a while, then I suggested, well, why don't we do a podcast? We may find it easier to actually just talk about it. 
Um, and then we sort of we got the bowl rolling. But the initial idea was that we would um, start doing a Doctor Who podcast. And the reason why we focus on Doctor Who is because it's it's the one thing that we we are both fans of that we have in common. Um, and you know we we generally have a lot of love and affection for the show, and it means an awful lot to us. So it, it made it made sense doing Doctor Who. We didn't really contemplate doing anything else. Um, but the idea was that we would start doing the podcast and you know find our way around it leading up to series 11 but life sort of got in the way um i remember we ended up becoming uh, incredibly busy and loads loads of stuff was just chucked at us so that by the time we we ended up having uh by the time we had time that could be phrased better uh to do the podcast series 11 was just about to start so that's why last year uh, we basically just chucked ourselves into it and just started reviewing uh, Series 11 pretty much as it was going out. I'm so glad we did because if Series 11 hadn't been imminent, we might have just put it off um, and we might not have um, got that momentum to, you know, to kind of persevere through it. No, no, that's true. So it, it probably actually it worked out. Um, yeah, and it's it's amazing that it's it's been a year. Um yeah, it's, it's flew it's, by quick, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it has gone incredibly quickly. Do you feel any more confident um, doing the podcasts? Or do you feel like you've, you've gotten better at it? I think so. I mean, I certainly feel a lot more confident with it uh, because I, you probably remember as well. I remember when we were recording the very first one, it took. <laughs> we just found it really awkward just starting the damn thing off. I think we ended up doing 10 takes. Yeah, it's ridiculous, minutes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of of just actually getting the introduction, and then we ended up getting the giggles and and all the rest of it, and it was a bit, uh, it was a bit, you know, it was a bit weird. But now we're a lot more confident, just um, going into the flow of things, and uh, I would like to think that we've we've got better. Yes, um, I listened to our first podcast. I think it was yesterday, uh, or the day before, um, <laughs> and it's actually not half as bad as I remember. Um, and it's not a million miles away from where we are now. I was worried it might have been a bit cringe or a bit naff because I haven't listened to it <laughs> in a long time. I thought, like, how is it going to compare to what we do now? Um, and I noticed the editing was a little bit choppy here and there, so I think that's something we've improved on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're performing is a lot less wooden. <laughs> but, um, yes. It didn't... Oh, do, do, we find it, do we sound a bit still, uh, quite a bit stilted? in the? Uh... A little bit, yes. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, at least yeah. Uh, so at least we've improved on that score where we can just flow with the conversation better. And yes, I think um, we've got uh, our editing is is a lot better. Um, I remember when we were doing, because you actually do much more of the editing than I do, and uh, uh, but I do chip in on occasion when uh, when I can. And I remember probably the the trickiest one that I had was when we were doing the three doctors, because. Well, we ended up having quite a lot to discuss. Uh, so we ended up recording this absolute mammoth uh, podcast, but I think that would have been um, far... T- I think it was far too long to, to realistically put out. So I, w- I tried to make it as concise as possible while still maintaining the flow, uh, which was fine. But um, but so I, w- I was trying to do that whilst trying to get to grips with the editing, but then it was just the technical problems as well. Um which was just an absolute nightmare. It took it took it took me hours to do, which would which would take considerably less time now. 
Um, but I remember after I did all the editing, it was all fine. And then I was mixing it down. Um, when it came to the final mix, for some reason, it chopped the last 10 minutes off. Right, okay. And then so I had to sort of like get to the last 10 minutes of the podcast, re-edit that and stick it on the... Yeah, that was a bit of a nightmare, but... It can be. Hmm. Um, when it comes down to the editing, a lot of the things is basically cutting out all the M's and the silence. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, there you go, yep. Oh, God. I need a, a replacement word, don't I? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's better. Mm. It's more Hartnell. It's more Hartnell. Like. Yeah. Um, oh, I've just done it now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's inescapable. You can't stop, can you? No, no. But we we try and try and flow as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, I did. I did an unboxing <laughs> video for the first time for the season twenty three trial of a Time Lord. Oh yes. Uh, which is oh, for goodness sake. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> So did the unboxing video on YouTube for the first time. I'm going to see how many views it's got. All right, okay. When you're talking, carry on. <laughs> well, and one of the things I was aware of was just how... Uh, you can tell I need a glass of water. Oh, right. So it's got that, that irritating... <laughs> uh, sort of like quality to it. Uh, which Well, was, I hadn't noticed. Oh, uh, I did. And I think, I think a part of it is probably doing the podcast. So ho- hopefully we... Uh, Hopefully we don't have that when we're recording and just to be generally irritating. With the... <laughs> oh, God for sake, yeah. Liam, just get a glass of water. Well, they say it's when you start getting into podcasts, I both as a listener, but certainly when you're doing them, because you're you're becoming much more aware of the sound quality. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you've got an idea of what you want to sound like, and then you're listening to other podcasts as well, which which are a bit more professional. So you, you kind of start thinking along, along those lines. And you can't help... But then there comes a point when you can't help but hear those sort of things. Yeah. I do remember we considered a few different titles for the podcast. Um, funnily enough, when I recommended... Was it me that su- su- suggested Cloister Bell? Uh, yes, it was, yeah. Um, Funnily enough, I thought that was one that wouldn't be available. There were some others I thought. Like I would, I did, I did like the thought of um, the zero room, but that was already taken. Yes, I, mean, I think that was actually your first suggestion. I quite like that, but yeah, that was taken. Um, Another one was considered was the greatest podcast in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the conceit. Uh, yeah, no, but I'm pleased that one was already taken. I don't think that's. But yeah, when you suggested Cloister Bell, uh, I thought that was a, I thought that was a really good name. But at that point, yeah, I'm still surprised that no one else had uh, had actually taken that one. Yeah, I was half thinking maybe a couple of weeks down the line, someone would point out, you know, those guys are doing that. I've got a podcast with that title, and they've been doing it for years, and would get like a cease and desist order or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so far, it's not happened. No. So today we're going to talk about the woman who felt the worth. Yeah, we thought uh, we would go back to the very thing that we looked at in our very first podcast, because it's been a year, and see what we think of the woman who fell to earth, given that, obviously, as we've established, a year has passed. Yeah. When I rewatched it, it still felt quite fresh in my mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it would have been good if it felt like um, it was quite old. <laughs> so I uh, listened to our other podcast, and there was a 
something I'd forgotten while listening to it. Um, I am, um, well, Rob of the Past, um, kind of found a potential theme in the episode. Um, a lot of the characters kind of doubted their self-worth, mm-hmm. as I said, um, or they thought they could bet themselves. Um, Ryan was the most obvious, he was trying to ride his bike. Yep. And also, um, saying he works in the warehouse and wants to do his NVQs and become a mechanic. Yasmin is frustrated and feels she could do better at work. The guy in the crane is listening to his motivational tapes. And even Shaw kind of aspired to better himself by uh, cheating because maybe he didn't feel he could succeed at the hunt. I don't think Grace fits this criteria. She was pretty selfless and awesome, wasn't she? Uh, Yes, very much so. Uh, she was really good and she was the probably the one character who was completely with it and had the confidence and everything. And as you've established, all the characters are trying to, to better themselves, even the, even the villain, Tim, uh, Tim Shaw. But because he cheats, that also makes him the villain because he's, he's weak, whereas everyone's trying to better themselves through, uh, through hard work. And... Therefore, really, the only meaningful way to better yourself, rather than this hollow, shallow way that Tim Shaw's t- uh, trying to do it. But as you said at the very beginning, I I felt uh, well when I was watching this that even though this is the third time I've watched it, but the first two were very, it was obviously the first time when it was uh, originally broadcast, and then I think a day or two after in preparation for the podcast. I, it was, so it was quite close, and so there's been quite a bit of a, a, bit of a gap. I mean, well, yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember... I managed to remember quite a lot of it. There were a few things which I'd forgotten, namely the way that the episode begins, which is with Ryan on a YouTube clip. Oh, yes. Which, when I first watched it... I thought was all right. Now I take a bit of exception to that uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, which is the lesser, the first is the lesser reason, which is it, it seems a bit of an odd way to introduce Ryan. It's not, it's not as if he's this sort of like regular YouTuber as, you know, it's not a thing that we are aware of that he does as the series progresses. Mm. Um, that's not a big deal. The exception that I really took to it was I actually thought it was quite a lazy way to start the episode. Uh, it seemed, look at me, we're modern, here's someone doing a YouTube clip. Mm-hmm. And it also seemed to be showcasing, look how clever we are. Because Ryan's talking about this woman uh, who he's met and who's absolutely incredible. Now, when I first watched it, I knew that it would later be revealed that it isn't the Doctor. But obviously we're supposed to think he's talking about the Doctor. And yeah. that we're then going to see the story in flashback. Which we sort of do, but we don't really. Uh, and yeah, I, it, I, took quite, I, I took exception to that on this occasion in quite a big way. Um, and I felt that on this occasion watching it, I was a bit more critical of the woman who felt uh, the woman who fell to earth whereas a year ago i think i was uh, i was a bit more optimistic about it and was just willing to accept it mm-hmm. and that was fine but now coming back to it it was just yeah i'm not keen on that that could be a bit better the other issue that i have with it is because the episode's over an hour long 
I don't think it needs to be that long. No. Uh, as again, again, first time I watched it, it was fine. I was watching it for the first time. But on this occasion, uh, I felt it doesn't really need to be this long. It could, it, it could be more concise. It, it, it doesn't need to exceed an hour. In my, in my view. Yes, I know. Yeah, it could have been a shorter episode. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think your perception now has changed um, since it was when you first watched it? Because when we first watched it, we did have a lot of optimism for the show and mm-hmm. we were excited for where it's going. Yep. And even though we're not inclined to hate the show, this mm-hmm. series, yep. um, do you think the fact that we may have been underwhelmed in certain ways, do you think that affects how you watch this episode? It's possible. I mean, before I fully go into that, uh, just did, I mean, did, when you were watching it, did you feel that there was anything that you felt was a bit that you were viewing a bit more critically? Um, not really. Like, like I was explaining now, my optimism for the future of the series wasn't wasn't really there, and I was looking at things that I was kind of hoping we'd get a payoff for, and we didn't when I was talking about um, the characters wanting to better themselves, mm-hmm. there wasn't really... Um, it wasn't really a prominent theme in this series. Um, I mean, I know we've got another series to go, series 12, mm-hmm. but there wasn't much of a resolution at the end. Well, <laughs> the last episode was called Resolution. But um, <laughs> Ryan, of course, got closer to Graham. Yeah. But he didn't... Um, overcome the obstacles he was facing with his dyspraxia. You know the scene with the scene on his bike. I thought it would end with him on his bike at the end of, at the end of the series in some way. Maybe it will at the end of series twelve. Who knows? Yeah, it's sort of there were certain uh, there were certain things which I think were established in this episode, and they weren't really carried through in a very satisfying way. That, that's one of them. I mean, you could argue that actually uh, Ryan overcomes that, as we see in the episode Kablam, mm-hmm. um, when they're having to go down the chute and then they're going through all the conveyor belts. You know, because... But... and the, we I, I remember we made this point uh, in our first podcast, which one of the things that we quite liked about that scene at the end when we see Ryan on a, on his own volition trying to ride the bike mm-hmm. uh, he uh, the doctor's standing from a distance just watching mm-hmm. and we thought we thought that was a good scene now, I still think that's a good moment yeah. but we we felt that that maybe that would have more resonance that the doctor uh, is someone who will try to instill, instill confidence in those around her but recognizes that sometimes people just need to go off and and do things on their own in order to develop so we quite liked that but again that what that wasn't something that was really pushed through for the series and actually one of the things as well which is i don't there i want to get the negatives out the way because there are many positives to talk about this episode so i am aware that i am coming across very negative and i don't wish to be because at the end of the day you know this is doctor who we, we do love it and Series 11, from a lot of fans, has gotten for a lot of kicking. Now, some criticism out there is warranted, but it a lot of the criticism has, be, has been needlessly negative. So I just want to get this out of the way. Um, 
one of the things as well is that I don't think um, there are certain moments within the story where I don't think the writing is as subtle as it could be. It feels like really obvious, very obvious showcasing. So this whole thing that, and I remember we made this point a year ago, that when there's the whole business that Ryan doesn't call Graham Grandad, mm-hmm. that that will obviously be something that will pay off. Now, that's fair enough, but in many respects, that's all their character development is in Series 11. There doesn't seem to be any, any um, anything beyond that. Would you agree no. with that? Yes, and that's one of my concerns for Season 12. If, there's, if there isn't an element like that in the series, then what is there going to be to compel the viewers to watch? Mm-hmm. I also think a, a big issue <coughs> with, with Doctor Who at the moment is the gap that we haven't had any Doctor Who bar than the New Year special, which is very good and one that we liked. But we haven't had a series this year, and that's quite a gap. Because I think I mentioned this in a, in a recent podcast as well, but when Doctor Who came back in 2005, it, it, it touched something, and it, it was popular. People liked it. And then David Tennant became the Doctor. And then for the next three years, whilst he was the Doctor, the show increased in popularity it was huge and then when david tennant left and matt smith took over that popularity continued to increase which is quite surprising and i i I don't mean that in terms of matt smith because he was incredible but i mean the show had been going on for four years and to maintain that level of popularity and in fact even increase it is actually unheard of. That's very rare. And that continued to the 50th anniversary. And then I think because at that point the show had, had been around for a few years, um, mm-hmm. you know, people are naturally not going to be, you know, people are naturally going to be uh, take it a bit more for granted. And yes. we started to see that with Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. Uh, and then there was, a, you know, a gap between uh, a, couple of se- a couple of his series and then we seem to wait ages for Jodie Whittaker uh, with Series 11. And it came, and there were good moments mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And then just as it seemed to hit its stride, it's then off the air for a year. Yeah, and the ending it just feels like a mid-season break, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The way it ended. Yeah, and and we're not having it for a year, and then it's, it's going to come back next year. My concern is that... The interest from general viewers, which is key for the continued success of Doctor Who, isn't going to be there. No. But anyway, that's by the by. I, ju- I just wanted to mention it. So going back to the episode, The Woman Who Fell to Earth. So I just wanted to get those negatives out of the way. Mm. Uh, there were a few things that niggled me more on this occasion. I'm not entirely sure if it has strict repeat um, appeal. Because... When I was watching on this occasion, I was going for the ride and everything. Sorry, Rob, I know that I'm, I'm sort of like dominating the conversation here. I'll, I'll let you speak in a minute. Sorry. It's all right now. Um, the other thing that was uh, cr- crossed my mind as well was that where, not only do I what, not only do what do I think of the episode in of itself, but how do I place it in other first Doctor stories? Hmm. It wasn't very rewatchable, was it? It didn't have that kind of feel. No. It felt like an effort to rewatch. Is that being too harsh? No, well, possibly, but 
I think it's interesting that we both felt the same because I, because when we were talking about well we've been doing the podcast for a year uh what should we do to celebrate that and you suggested well why don't we rewatch the woman who felt worth and i thought that was great and we both agreed that was a good idea so we were happy with that but when it actually came to me sort of right i need to sit down and rewatch the episode um oh i kind of had to force myself to do it a bit mm-hmm. um which surprised me actually because i thought i would be um I thought I would be much more... Yeah, Had we been watching someone else's debut story, like, I don't know, A Rose or um, Christmas Invasion or The Eleventh Hour, that would have been a bit more interesting, wouldn't it? Yes. More easy, easy going and fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I thought the same. And then I was even thinking, well, you know, I- I'd much rather watch Time and the Rani, which mm. I have a huge soft spot for, but I know that it's not it's not regarded as one of the best Doctor Who stories and it's yeah. certainly not regarded as one of the, you know, the first... It's not. It's certainly not regarded as one of the best stories to introduce a Doctor. But I have a huge soft spot for it. Now, it's a bit funny because I think you can you can say that actually The Woman Who Fell to Earth is, by, is clearly, clearly a much better story than Time and the Rani. Yes. But Time and the Rani has more entertainment value, I think. And mm. I would much rather sit down and watch that. I'd find it a lot easier to watch that. Now, that probably says a lot more for my taste or rather lack of. Uh, but I just, thought, I, you know, I, thought, I just thought I'd mention it. The humour is just not there in The Woman Who Felt Worth, is it? Intentional or not. Um, possibly one of the main things that The Woman Who Felt Worth had going for it was the fact that it, was, it felt fresh and new. Yes. Yes, and yeah, yeah, yeah. now it doesn't have that appeal. Because we're that familiar with it. We've seen all the rest. We've rewatched it a few times. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that same impact. No, no, it doesn't. And I think, again, it was on this occasion, I felt like this goes into the other point, the earlier point, rather, which was that I think the episode is, is needlessly too long. Mm-hmm. I, th- um, I can see on some moments what they're trying to do, which is they're trying to establish atmosphere. Which is which is very important, um, but nonetheless, I still think they could still establish that sense of, of, of drama and atmosphere and so on without without, on occasion, needless padding. I remember mm. there's, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a it looks absolutely uh, amazing, but I remember there's this this there's this tracking shot, uh, as we we see a van, uh, which it turns out it's the it's um. Uh, uh, Raul, I think the guy who takes that yeah. the, the the blue transport thing. Uh, I was paying extra attention to that shot because I've drove through Sheffield dozens of times at night, so I'm trying to <laughs> nitpick all the little points that I might recognise. <laughs> all right, okay. Did you recognise anything? No. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a shame. Um, and it looks it looks it looks great, but it's not strictly necessary. Uh, mm-hmm. you know that that you could quickly you know you you could establish in a much more quicker way that there's this fan. They go to a garage, and and then carry on as the episode does from that on. But it was just, it, it felt like that shot was there to go look look how nice we can do that. I mean, because one of the one of the strengths of the woman who fell to earth is its cinematography. Yeah, bloody hell! That first scene with um, Graham and Grace and uh, Ryan sitting on the on the hilltop. The oh whole, my! The whole landscape—that's beautiful, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's uh, 
it, it is beautiful. So that that is one thing. So maybe we can start going at the positives now. That yeah. um, the woman to fell to earth is is directed very well, uh, and it, the 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 camera work and the cinematography is is just uh, is just amazing. Just making note of something you mentioned earlier. In our first podcast, we were looking ahead to the series, and you had a lot of concern about the Rosa Parks episode. Um, there was a worry that you thought the doctor might give her the confidence to stand up, mm-hmm. to, sorry, to sit down. Um, and one observation you've made now is that, is that scene with the doctor standing back, letting Ryan get on with it. Mm-hmm. on the bike so it's um it's curious that we didn't make that observation at the time yes that's true um and actually i'm pleased that uh my concerns didn't didn't bear fruit actually because i think rosa is um is an incredibly good episode not just in this series but i think it's one of the best episodes doctor who's done it's it's fantastic now that i would happily rewatch without yeah. an issue um I'd always raise the question of whether the Rosa episode needed the villain aspect of the show. Um, but it certainly doesn't damage it, does it? No, no, I mean, that's true. I mean, I suppose we, we could argue that point of maybe it didn't need a, a, an alien villain in that story. Because I'm fine with Doctor Who simply being a historical adventure, adventure show. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a shoehorn sci-fi element story of the week episode set in, in any time in history. <laughs> No, no, that's true. And in fact, because I, I absolutely adore the William Hartnell era. And I, I, always, I have always liked it, but I find that as I'm getting older, I'm drawn more and more t- towards it. And one of the things that I do like is its approach to historical stories. Mm-hmm. Now, I appreciate that not everyone, you know, the, um, the appeal of straight historicals from the 1960s wouldn't necessarily have the same appeal now. But I don't think uh, it would be a misstep if on occasion the show would return to a straight historical i think yeah. be, i think that would be quite nice one um, of my favorites is the aztecs and of course there was no alien invasion going on there <laughs> no no definitely not story. yeah the uh, aztecs is, is brilliant marco polo is brilliant my favorite uh, william hartnell story is actually the crusade um yeah. i think that's a cracking good story uh so yes i think if you were to go back with Rose, I mean, it's it's a good episode, but yeah, maybe maybe it didn't need an alien menace, but it's still very good. But going back to that earlier point, it's um, I don't. Th- one of the things that I quite liked about that episode is that uh, you know the way that Rosa is introduced, the whole hysterical setup because we see, uh, what took place, in um. Uh, a few years before the story. And then later on, and how Rosa has developed within that time, she has the confidence already within her. It's just you know, it's just taking that one step, one step further. Yeah, no, there's a lot to admire with Rosa. One little inconsistency I I saw in this episode with Ryan was the fact that um, he was able to climb up the crane no problem. Yet in the ghost monument, he struggled to climb some ladders. I know that's probably. A more true to life thing, you know, we're, we're very inconsistent with our fears um, and how we deal with them. But from a narrative point of view, um, mm. it seemed a little bit incoherent. 
Yeah, that, that does jar a bit, actually, now, now yeah. that you mention it. Yeah, I'd forgotten that moment in the Ghost Monument. Yeah, just climbing upstairs kind of freaks him out a bit. Yeah, that, you're right, that is, a, that is a bit inconsistent. Yeah. So in the start of the episode, when um, Ryan hits the uh, click-to-approve button that appears in the forest... <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, we know that that button's obviously appeared before for people, mm-hmm. because um, Shaw has been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the button appeared because Ryan was there um, or would it have randomly appeared anyway I wonder if it needed the presence of someone yeah uh, or, or, or did well maybe I'm making a bit of a presumption here did Sh- did Tim Shaw's capsule arrive there in the all the previous times yeah uh, possibly and so because that that guy who lost um, was it his sister or someone? Yes, yeah, that's family. his sister. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if he returned there because he knew of the location, or was he just following the uh, all these weather patterns? I don't know. What I got was that he'd uh, he, he was following the sort of the changing weather patterns and so on. Because mm. that that is one thing that this episode certainly gets right. Uh, that's the villain, mm. and this establishment that you had this character Raoul and his sister went missing when he was a child and she was still a child. I mean, that's absolutely devastating. And we, and it's absolutely tragic. Um, And his, the fact that that would naturally affect him uh, Mm. throughout his entire life. And it clearly has. He has spent his entire life trying to find out what happened to his sister. Um, so when we're finding out uh, moments of his character and uh, Amit Shah, who's who's the actor, uh, plays it really, really well. You know, you, you get that sense of how sad and, and longing and determined he is. And so when he dies and Tim Shaw's toying with him, you know, when he goes, you know, what, what have I done to my sister? And he, he goes, um, ask me again, forcing him to, to ask the question. And he goes, you know, you will never know. And then he just gets brutally murdered yeah um that's that's really uh dramatic and 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 dark and uh there's a there's an awful lot going on it's very good drama and i think that's that's one thing that chris chibnall does very well in this episode um and maybe that's his uh what's that for, oh, for, um broad church there's that so you know that ele- that sort of approach coming in which uh, in terms of this, I think is actually quite good for Doctor Who. There's yeah. that, yeah, um, and I think Tim Shaw's probably one of the best uh, villains of Doctor Who. I think he works far more. I think he would work far more effectively as a one-off. He's just in this story, uh, rather than him returning at what was supposed to be the series finale, which, as we've already t- discussed, was a was a bit of a disappointment. Mm. Uh, but here, he's very effective, and this is one thing that. I felt when I first watched it, and I still think now. Yes, the Doctor has that sort of like is able to ridicule him a bit, but at the but the end of it, he's a really nasty piece of work. Um, and that thing where he take you know he he kills someone and rips their jaw off to steal a tooth, and then embeds it into himself as a trophy. I mean, God, that's sick. Um, yeah. But it's uh, you know it, it it says an awful lot about about him and it's it's a very creepy idea and again one that I think works very well. Yeah, there's a lot of um, terror in this episode, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Like um, when they 
when they see this guy's body, when you see his, his jaw's been ripped open, yeah. and we get we're getting that described, and we're seeing people's reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very graphic, isn't it? And of yeah. course, when we see Tim Shaw's face, um, that's quite sickening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Gr- grotesque. Yeah, even even yes. when I rewatched it now, I thought, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it is a very creepy idea, and it's it's one that works very effectively. Yeah. Uh, and I think would, as I said, I think would would be far more effective had he just appeared in this one episode and then that was it. Yeah, there's a scene near the end where I feel they they perhaps tried to force a feeling upon us, uh, making him feel like a threat. There's a security guard at the um, the, the building site where the cranes are. Yes. Yeah, um, and he's on the phone to his granddaughter, um, and then he's yeah. then he's killed. Um, so I felt that felt intentionally put there to make um, to make this guy's death impacted possibly. Yes, again, that sort of goes back into I think the uh, the unsubtle writing mm-hmm. because you know we're introduced to the security guard and he's as you say he's sort of established of going well he pretty much <laughs> he pretty much says. It's sort of on the lines of going, well, you would say that, being my granddaughter. You know, it's sort of that sort of level of, of writing. And then he's, mm-hmm. he's promptly killed. I, yeah, I think um, the writing's a bit poor on that occasion. His death doesn't really service anything. It's just there. We've already established Tim Shaw's a nasty piece of work. Mm-hmm. And not long before that moment, he, he kills uh, the kebab-eating um, drunk. Yeah. Which I think is a really nice scene because it starts off with a bit of levity. You know, he's a guy eating a kebab and he's just chucking the salad out, which is sort of funny. And yeah. then he's doing this really odd thing where he's throwing the salad at Tim Shaw, going, <laughs> "Go out, eat my salad." It's, it's, you know, it's you know, you can see what's coming, but it's kind of funny. And then he gets killed, and so that actually that scene works because it adds a bit of levity to the uh, to the story, but it, but it. Uh, it um, it adds, uh, t- it emphasizes how much of a, a threat Tim Shaw is because he hasn't just killed people immediately within his vicinity. He kills people for the pleasure of it who aren't a threat. Mm-hmm. That's already established. So the killing of the security guard doesn't really add anything. And as I said, I don't think it's I don't think that moment's uh, that well written. No, I mean it's not as bad as the infamous infamous Wi-Fi scene. From Revolution, Re- Resolution. Uh, yes, actually, yes, that's a good point. But uh, yeah, funny enough, well, that sort of emphasizes that because Resolution's a great episode and really enjoyed it. But that sort of emphasizes the fact that sometimes this sort of these dodgily written moments do crop up in the, in this era of Doctor Who, and it, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. In, in know, more, um we're watching it it's a drama it's not like a sitcom you know it's when you have these scenes that um where you have to su- suspend your disbelief of it um being just just a television show <laughs> i don't know mm-hmm. it's, i don't do you, do you know what i'm trying to say it makes you feel um it really kind of pulls you out of it like this is just cheesy writing here mm-hmm. yeah it's okay it's okay to have a bit of humor in there and i mean i'm sure some people did enjoy that scene uh, but it made me feel like oh for god's sakes you know <laughs> Why is that even here? 
Yeah, no, no, I felt exactly the same. I because th- I think we even commented on the uh, on the podcast. But oh yes, I'm pretty sure we both mentioned that scene, and we knew what we we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We mentioned that. Yes, you're right. We did. Um, and then after we recorded that podcast, I went to look at uh, other reviews of the episode, and funny enough, uh, all of them that I encountered mentioned that scene, and um, and a lot of people agreeing that it, it shouldn't have been in there, and it sort of took them out of the drama. Mm-hmm. Just shame. <laughs> yeah. The train was a very good atmosphere, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah. I don't think we've had many nighttime scenes in a debut story, have we? No, I'd actually, now that you mentioned the eleventh hour, a bit. Uh, so when the TARDIS crash lands and Amy's night-time, gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's at night time. But other than that, I think, yeah, the vast majority of the story is daytime. That's the and the movie. But other than that, you know. Oh, yes. The t- yes, yeah, you're right. The TV movie. Blimey, yeah. <laughs> so we've established a few of them have been at night, a few of them have been at day. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I my, think we've established that. Mute here. Okay. No, no, it's not. Because actually, uh, there's, there's three stories, including this one, where it's set daytime. <laughs> the woman who fell to earth feels like it's, it's predominantly, it, it feels like it's at night for the vast majority of it, though. Unlike mm-hmm. the other stories. And that alien drone thing, um, the coil thing on the train, Yeah. That, w- that was pretty good visually, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, it definitely was, yeah. It didn't look like a CGI squiggly thing. Like the scribble thing from... <laughs> what's that episode? Like, yeah, it, it, it didn't feel like they'd put a, a squiggly CGI thing on top of a, a scene with a locked-off camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really kind of... It kind of came out of the darkness on the train. It really blended well with the contrast of the scenery. It was it was really good. Oh yeah, it was superb. It was uh, very well done, and that sort of goes into yeah. The the episode looks good, and that's right across the board. It's it's you know I've mentioned the mm. the direction of the cinematography. It's there in the costumes. It's there in the special effects. It's 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 there in pr- <laughs> pretty much every scene. And yeah, you're right. That that uh, that train scene's fantastic. It's it's uh, very well. Uh, written and uh, realized and directed and yeah the uh, the atmosphere builds up uh, yeah. c- c- very well i do think despite the fact that um tim shaw was an effective villain that's quite good i do feel like uh, the tentacly thing on the train and his pod that he, tra- that he arrives in mm-hmm. and him i feel these three different elements visually are quite different I don't think they they kind of gel together very well. As an alien threat, you know, you've got this um, you've got this technically thing on the train, and then you then you presented with a humanoid villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so the those things in my mind feel felt a bit detached. You know, I, I thought uh, initially I thought we we're gonna get something like truly alien. I say we mean that. I never actually uh, that never crossed my mind. That's actually uh, a good point. I suppose it could be uh, excused if you like that the those are things those are tools that he uses, mm-hmm. and you know he clearly hasn't made them himself, and he isn't supposed to be using them in the first place. So he's probably stolen them, and he's probably stolen them from different places. Mm-hmm. So I suppose you could excuse it on that level. But yeah, there isn't a, a blending of. Um... No, you're right. There isn't. No. They, they are. Uh... They are, uh, they are totally different. Totally, yeah. So the Doctor lands on the train. Um, I'm sure this is barely even ten minutes in. Am I right? But it did feel like quite a build-up to Cena, didn't it? Did yeah, you're that? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm... Yeah, I think it was only 10 minutes. It was sort of... I think she's introduced at just the right time, yeah. actually. Uh, because any sooner, it probably felt a bit rushed. And any later, you'll probably be start clock watching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I like think... It... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just, just to emphasize the point. So yeah, I think the the, the, the timing of the Doctor is absolutely perfect. Uh, she's introduced at exactly the right moment. I wonder if this is something they've learned from past Doctor stories, because they get quite a good balance here. The Doctor's not out of the out of the story for too long mm-hmm. and then she does have a scene where she's asleep for a part of the episode but it's only briefly you know we've had um david tennant was asleep for i don't know 75 percent of an episode maybe more yeah um peter capaldi was too wasn't he mm-hmm. uh but yeah they probably get a, a more of a a better balance this time yeah mm-hmm. we'll get to see more of the doctor it would have been annoying if she was asleep for half the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that uh, that approach works in uh, Christmas Invasion and Deep Breath. And they do do it in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think it does work. I mean, it is a bit odd when you, as you said, when you're introducing a new Doctor and he's doing nothing but sleep for 75% of the episode as in Christmas Invasion. But it works. Yeah. Um, it was a weird one with David Tennant. I feel like New Earth was his first proper story. But it was his fourth attempt because we'd had him in the Children Need in Need Special. And we'd had him in the Christmas Invasion, which he was only in it partially, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was in Attack of the Grask, the interactive episode. Was uh, that... did, you ever, did you ever play that in the, uh, Attack of the Grask? Uh, no, I didn't. Was that, was... was that before New Earth? It was on Christmas Day, on New Year's Day. It was on um, just after the Christmas Invasion. It was an interactive episode. Ah, oh, right, okay. I don't know if it's still available. I think they did put it on the Doctor Who website. But you used to have to press your red button mm-hmm. if you had digital, and you could um, you could play that with a remote. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I've missed out. Um... <laughs> you really haven't. <laughs> oh, t- <laughs> Right, okay. <laughs> I'm sure it's on YouTube. You can check it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't, probably. rather. Yeah, don't check it out. <laughs> Are you pe- uh, too late, you're piqued by interest. I'll be checking it out. <laughs> we'll have to review it now. <laughs> um, so when the Doctor does land on the train, mm-hmm. um, she fell from quite a, quite a height, didn't she? <laughs> Obviously, we've seen Tennant fall qu- quite a way. You know, he lands... Yeah. I mean, he was kind of dying at the time, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but Whitaker's doctor seemingly is unharmed when she lands. Uh, this could be because of her regeneration properties, couldn't it? Because we know that she's probably still in a state of regeneration. We know that David Tennant grew back his hand later on, on the mm-hmm. same day, didn't he? Yeah. So she could fall and just a uh, regeneration could kind of keep her in good health for a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if um, such a fall would kill a middle-aged incarnation. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Like, well, we know you... it, we know it killed uh, the fourth Doctor in Necropolis. But yeah, oh, so yes. I, th- I think yeah. um, I think I mean, yeah, she, she falls a heck of a way, lands on a <laughs> slap bag on a train right through the roof. Yeah, um, that would kill us certainly. 
But yeah, so I think it, I think it could be explained that yeah, it's because she still has all that regeneration energy. Okay, there's one more thing to explain here though. Um, it's such an amazing coincidence that she fell on a train while this was all happening. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, you're being attacked by an alien. Oh, the doctor lands. Um, I know that happens every week on Doctor Who, <laughs> but do you think it was maybe the TARDIS that dropped her there on purpose? I always kind of suspect that. But I mean, the TARDIS where... wasn't there. Uh... You know, I mean, that was it. the whole thing was blowing up and it chucked the doctor out. But maybe intentionally at the right spot. I, I do know that, well, I always suspect that the TARDIS has some part to play in where the doctor lands, you know, like um, if the TARDIS brings us somewhere, mm-hmm. there's usually something to deal with. Yes. So I feel like the doctor's destiny is kind of being steered a bit by the TARDIS. Yeah, that makes sense and that's fine, but I think... Um given how the Doctor loses the TARDIS, I think maybe on this occasion it could be a stretch. Um, it's so more it is a stretch that it's, it's just an amazing coincidence that she lands on this train then. Yeah, so that's a bit of a coincidence. It's a bit of a coincidence that uh, Ryan and Yaz, who are old school friends, happen to bump, each, bump into each other during the course of this adventure. Yeah. Uh, but it happens so often, you kind of ignore the fact that it defies belief. <laughs> It's not like it's not like Independence Day where at the end all of the main characters coincidentally converge on Area Fifty One. <laughs> <laughs> no, true, true. She learns that she's a woman. She's not really phased. Yeah, she seems. Yeah, she seems to yeah. crack on with it. And I, I do love that line. You just go. You got to excuse me because half an hour, an hour ago I was a, an old Scottish bloke. Or words <laughs> to that effect, which I think was a good line. An angry Scot? No, I'm thinking of a bad joke. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> A white-haired Scotsman. Yeah, I think it was something yeah. like that. A wild, great-haired Scotsman. Something, something along those lines. Subconsciously, I, I must think they're angry. I don't know where that came from. It came from Capaldi, probably. <laughs> probably. What, do you mean him as the Doctor or in real life? As the Doctor. Oh, right, okay. That's okay. Yeah. But the bedridden scene with the Doctor that I was talking about, is that... Do you think that's a running scene that came from Spearhead? Yeah, because that was the the first story that uh, that did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's inspired or not. You know, um, especially in the new era since the Christmas invasion, I didn't make the connection till now actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I suppose the the Christmas invasion was inspired by Spearhead in that sense because I know that uh, Russell T Davis at the time was, I mean, he was inspired by an awful lot of uh, of classic Doctor Who as well as wanting to do his own thing, of course. Yeah, but I think he he wanted, I think he was inspired more. By the Pertwee era than any other as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Spearhead's obviously the the logical the logical one there. With all these aspects of Tim Tim Shaw not gelling together very well, what did you think of his transport chamber, the pod, visually? If it was just a static prop, mm-hmm. um, did you think it would look good? Um, I think it looked all right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was probably one of those things where it was helped with. The actor's reaction to it more than mm. anything. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to suggest that I think it's a bad design. I think you know, I think it was, I think it was a, a relatively good design, but I think it was helped by how the actors react to it. Because um, mm. I think the cast in the story are, is really good, uh, with no exception. I think uh, everyone who appears in the uh, the story is uh, really good. Um, so yeah, I, what are your thoughts? I'm not sure. I was intrigued because it looked so alien. And then, of course, we got Tim Shaw, the humanoid. So 
in retrospect, and maybe it was a bit bizarre, but it was fine. Of course, it becomes very important in the story because the Doctor builds her screwdriver from a crystal from the pod, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, she does, yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't just simply build it out of spoons in a garage. No, no, but, but I, I, I did like how the fact that, uh, you know, the story's set in Sheffield, the whole thing to do with uh, Sheffield steel and, you know, using the spoons, I thought was quite nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I quite liked that. It was that, that mixture of of just normal box standard stuff with high alien technology to, yeah. yeah. I, I liked that scene. I thought that was quite good. I wonder how long it took her to build because Ryan and Graham were in the other room watching a video mm-hmm. um, and she builds it. It feels like this montage of a few hours <laughs> labour. <laughs> but but did it take her a few minutes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the thing. I thought Because um, it... The impression I got was it was supposed to obviously be uh, quite a bit of time. How long, I don't know. Say an hour. But um, I don't think Yaz and uh, Ryan would have been investigating the other room for that long because they mm. pretty much found anything straight, you know, found everything they needed straight away. But Yeah. They did find that video, click here if I die. Yeah. That's quite a cool thing. I'd love to leave a, a click here if I die. <laughs> Maybe I should do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that. I could easily be arranged. A video or a podcast. We could, leave, podcast we, could, we, could, we could record a podcast from beyond the grave, you know. <laughs> just in Ooh, case, yeah. we, just in case we don't record one, mm. one will go out automatically in, in the event of both our deaths. <laughs> <laughs> How would we both die at the same time, though? An angry fan. <laughs> 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 or just some podcast snob. Yeah. Just going, your podcast is crap, but you stop making them, for God's sake. And then, yeah, stop listening. <laughs> that's the solution. Don't kill us. Yeah. yeah, don't kill us. Just, yeah, stop listening. Although, that's, you can say the same, same argument for miserable Doctor Who fans. They just, instead of complaining every time, just stop watching. <laughs> yeah, I've never got that. So, you know, you're watching something. It's going, I Donna. hate this. I'll never watch it again. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> the back. <laughs> You'd think, you know, they'll be whittled away piece by piece, you know. Like, was that a reference? All, all the... Oh, yes. I didn't even realise it was. Oh, really? All right. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Oh, that I did not. Wow, that's, a... that's crazy. <laughs> I just, just quoted. I did not know. I was quoting word. Doctor Who. <laughs> so I am a true fan, unlike those people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah those people are scum. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, maybe then, maybe we're given all these bad episodes of Doctor Who as a test. <laughs> what do, <laughs> well, what do, what do, see if what we're do, worthy or not, and we'll see if we'll stick around. Well, maybe, 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 maybe the well, maybe it's sort of like well, these people are sticking around, and you know they're not particularly yeah. enjoying it, so they're the losers. The people who are bitching and moaning about it all the bloody time, they're the winners. Yeah, like like fear here and loving monsters. Maybe they were a gift from Russell T. Davis. <laughs> To get rid of the complainers. <laughs> a gift. <laughs> In that case, he, he really shouldn't have. No, really, he shouldn't have. Eleven monsters, though. I am um, part of me likes that. So, no, I, I, I don't I know quite what I'm like, Yeah, I quite like it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not keen on the oral sex joke at the end of the episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sort of like. In Torchwood, I think you could get away with it, but in a Doctor Who episode, I think that's a bit much. But other than that, I do I do quite enjoy it. I do think it's a, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Okay, so I've got something to say here. Grace and Graham, the scene where they're wearing high vis jackets, high vis vests, rather, to evacuate the site. Mm-hmm. What is it with high vis vests that reeks with authority? <laughs> you could just walk out into the street with a high vis, tell people to, to move out the way and to do it, wouldn't they? Ah, uh, possibly. Or do you think we should uh, rerun Milgram's tests? Uh, but rather than people in lab coats, we we, we see people's reactions to people in high vis yes. jackets. Walk into a building and just evacuate it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> With a clipboard and a high vis, that yeah. would work. I'm sorry, this building's closed. <laughs> <laughs> what reason would we give? Because I wouldn't want to freak people out. Just say we're official. Just go, are you questioning my authority? It's just tap, because tap we the jacket and they'll understand. <laughs> Move along. Yeah. I have a clipboard. Yeah. What more, what more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> All the crane climbing. A bit too Casino Royale. That <laughs> wasn't quite that. <laughs> hey, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because Casino Royale's a damn good film. Yeah. Um, oh, for God's sake. We could, oh, <laughs> just this wait for the next Bond movie. I'm sick of wait. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you, it's obvious how you can make that comparison. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's very much its own thing. But yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you want out of the Daniel Craig finale? Oh, what um, re- returning elements or or not? Well, do you think the Blofeld thing needs closure? <sighs> Well, I'm not a fan of Spectre. Um, so, in one respect, I'm pleased that Daniel Craig's doing a, a, a um, another Bond movie so it can hopefully go out on a high. Because it's quite funny. For the the actors who have played the bo- uh, James Bond, who have gone on, you know, quite a while, they don't tend to leave on good movies. Uh, Sean Connery left on Diamonds Are Forever. Uh... Roger Moore, although I have a huge soft spot for it, A View to a Kill isn't one of the best Bonds he leave on that. Piers but it, Brosnan... is a, it is a memorable one, though, A View to a Kill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, do, I do enjoy it, but it's not it's not highly regarded. I mean, and, and poor Piers Brosnan, he, he ends with Dino the Day, which is just atrocious. Um, so Daniel Craig could actually be the first Bond actor who, who's gone on for, for, for more than three movies and, and, yeah. and hopefully leave on a decent one. Spectre was just atrocious. Um, or maybe that's too strongly put, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good. That whole thing that Blofeld is Bond's stepbrother, I mean, for goodness sake. Um, I, I know exactly what you mean, but it, I think... I think you got to give him some kind of respect for trying to add more depth to it. I feel like the Daniel Craig movies, do you think there's been more continuity than ever? Because we've got all these subtle things with Mr. White appearing in all the movies. Well, and the connection of um, Quantum and um, the Mr. White's influence in Casino Royale and, and of course, leading up to Spectre. Yeah. yeah. Well, all those elements are fine because they're there if you notice them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but they don't sort of dominate the movies and um, you know so the, the plot of Casino Royale was its own plot and Quantum of Solid. there was this idea that you know you had this secret organisation Quantum and all the rest of it now for reasons that I won't go into because it's legal and it's boring but um, the James Bond uh, filmmakers weren't allowed to use Spectre 
for copyright reasons. It's it's long and complicated and no one really cares. But anyway, to cut long story short, they ended up getting the rights to use Spectre and Blofeld. Now, rather than what I think they should have done, which was to wait uh, for when Daniel Craig leaves and then they can bring Spectre in and Blofeld in if they want with whoever the new actor is and then bring that element in. I think they rushed into it. Um, Would you have rather had more more subtle hints along the way like building up to something yeah because what what spectre does is it goes back to the previous bomb movies with daniel craig and then says they're all linked that all the plots and everything that happened in them was to do with blofeld well they've clearly retconned it none of that was written in the original bomb in in those movies and actually i think it retrospectively ruins them because Casino Royale should be enjoyed on its own with that plot rather than rather than now where you're going, but how am I supposed to make sense that this whole thing's connected with Blofeld and the breaking of Bond's heart is was all planned and it it, mm. it doesn't make sense. It's just it's just silly. Yeah. Um so it's I'm the not... same thing with um, Mr. White mm-hmm. um when Daniel Craig shoots him at the end. And then Quantum takes place, sets place like twenty minutes later, <laughs> and then um, he gets away. I feel I felt like Casino Royale had a bit of closure there, mm-hmm. and then maybe the maybe retailer that a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I, I know. Did Quantum feel like a compromise for Spectre? Like you said, they didn't have the rights. Yeah, I think because they didn't have the right, so they wanted to bring the, that, that element of it back, so they created Quantum, and that could have worked. And don't get me wrong, I, I like the idea that, that Quantum is actually linked to a bigger secret organisation, Spectre. It sort of works on that score. But what I don't like about Spectre is um, the whole thing that, you know, Blofeld is um, Bond's stepbrother. I, I just think that's naff. It doesn't really work. I think, um, and as I say, retrospectively going back to the previous Craig movies and going that the pl- it it was all linked and planned when clearly it wasn't. I think it's a huge mm. shame. They use Sam Smith to do this, uh, the, the the song. It's just awful. <laughs> um, don't really don't like it. And then he boasts about how he wrote the he'd written the song in twenty minutes. I went, yeah, it shows because it's absolute crap. <laughs> You're not this incredibly talented musician who can get away with that sort of thing. Yeah, it shows. Go back and try again. Uh, you idiot. Um, <laughs> What do you then, think of Skyfall? Do you think... Um, oh, Skyfall uh, was good. Of course, they put all these references in. I didn't know if um, the fact that he was raised in Scotland was a bit tongue-in-cheek, like he used to be Sean Connery when he was younger or something like that. Well, that actually... That, that was written was in... That intentional? Uh, yeah, that's intentional because uh, Ian Fleming, uh, he wrote him as uh, having been brought up in Scotland. All right, okay. okay. I can't remember if he did that because Sean Connery actually played the part and he was impressed with Sean Connery and so he wrote that in. Oh, later on down the line. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember. I need to go back to the books now. But yeah, that that's in the Ian Fleming novels. So that that that's a part of it. But one of the things I yeah. So I think I think that works. And I think I mean, Skyfall's not a perfect plot. There are certain things going. No, it doesn't quite hold up. But I think it is a very good movie. And I very I very much like it. Mm-hmm. Um, this next what I, I'm not particularly keen on though is that um, the the Bond girl in Spectre. She's coming back in this next movie. Because if you watch Spectre, there's absolutely no chemistry whatsoever. Oh, this is uh, Mr. White's daughter. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get it on. It's just sort mm. of like, where the hell did that come from? Now we're suddenly in love with her, and it yeah. doesn't feel. Surreal. And um, the character Felix is back. He's like um, what Robbie Coltrane was to. <laughs> no, I. To the I, last I, lot of movies, he's like the um, <clears throat> the recurring no, friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really like his character, and. Um, and one of the things that the the Daniel Craig movies has done well is that mm-hmm. they they've got an actor to play him who's really good and have kept that actor. Um, so in this next movie, I, I do hope that they bring that character yeah. back. Uh, let's hope. Let's hope it, is, it doesn't transpire that he was bad all along. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he, he's been toying with everyone's lives this whole time. Yeah, and actually, he's he's, he's, the, he's the force above Spectre. <laughs> yeah, and actually, he's Bond's long lost uncle or something. Um, Felix the white cat or maybe there's a connection <laughs> <laughs> fantastic he's, he, he's the cat <laughs> yes makes sense all along and then actually um, we Felix, see him the getting stroked are actually the sponsors of the next Bond movie so they've been forced to write that in yeah that's what that, that's what'll happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the doctor gets the Bond <laughs> jump across the tree um, great segue carry on <laughs> sorry <laughs> we've just we've been talking about Bond for the next however long uh, and then just going anyway Doctor Who anyway sorry Rob yes carry on <laughs> um, yeah the, the Doctor gets the Bond jump she jumps yeah um, for some reason I thought she'd land on her feet not a cat reference <laughs> <laughs> Felix would have he would have jumped there and landed on his feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, but she, she grabs on, yeah. Um, and, of course, the, the other guy on the crane, he, he jumps and gets grabbed from behind. So that's a tense moment. I love this line where he's like, Ugh, he's got a face of teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, it would be my reaction. <laughs> but the Doctor played Tim good, didn't she? Like, the, um, the whole complete transfer. And she transferred the... The DNA bombs to him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I, f- I find it quite convenient for the plot the fact that none of these characters were checking their collars throughout the story. I'd be constantly looking like, "Geez, what's that?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hope that goes soon. Like, if you've got a bomb on you, you're not going to just wear it under your collar and talk about it, but not look at it. Yeah, you would be a bit freaked to keep. <laughs> keep on. Yeah. Don't scratch at it. Yeah. <laughs> Great performance from Bradley Walsh at the funeral. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, great performance in general. But yes, um, he really shines in that moment, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think that's. Um, I thought that's probably one of the highlights of the episode. It's a, it's, it's a very touching moment. I mean, it's a shame that uh, Grace dies because I think she's a great character. And Sharon D. Clark, I think I mentioned her in the the original podcast that we did for this. Um, but I remember singing her praises and she just gives a great performance and really makes that character shine and incredibly likeable and lovable. And she's a great character and they've got an absolutely superb actress to play her. She's she's excellent. Yeah. Um, so when she dies, it's uh, it's sort of, it really hits you because, uh, you know, you really fell in love with her character. Um, that was handled really well. 
Uh, I mean, I would love, I would have loved to her to have been a, a regular, um, but of course, I do sort of like how the, how they sort of bring the character back and use it, and it takes you away. Yeah, um, I mean, the possibilities are there. I don't think it'll happen, but you never know. No, no, no. I mean, uh, I think the way that they, they they've they've played it uh, so far, I think I think that's I think that's good. I think to bring Grace back now would be a mistake. Um, but yeah, uh, that was very touching. And then so yeah, when it comes to the uh, the funeral uh, and Bradley Walsh's performance of that, I, yeah, that's it's just brilliant. Great outfit scene in the charity shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. At least she's not stealing clothes this time. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. But she's she's uh, she's clearly come across the best charity shop in the world. Um, oh yes, if, if you um, that should be a challenge. Go walk into a charity shop, mm-hmm. assemble a doctor outfit, <laughs> a really good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think everything everything of the uniform it sort of works. It's the coat, the grey coat that doesn't work. Yeah. No, no, I mean, it's, it's a good costume, don't get me wrong. I just mean it's sort of like in the context of finding all those bits and pieces in the charity it's, it's, shop. It's an outfit, it's not a costume. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the one bit of the story I find suspending my disbelief a bit difficult. The uh, the suspenders, the boots, the, the trousers, the shirt, yeah, the, the brilliant coat, but it's... Because it's... Wow, so, so, someone... Someone bought that. I'm like, nah, it's not really for me. And then just ditched it in a charity shop. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the uh, the jump through space at the end. Mm-hmm. That was very kind of season 12-ish-esque, wasn't it? <laughs> but like um, Sarah and Harry and the Doctor jumping around. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. See what you mean. Yes, you it know. was. <laughs> it's a shame we didn't get more of that. Mm-hmm. Um it would have been quite compelling if we had to wait longer to get to the TARDIS. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I think oh. it was—I think it was handled quite well in the Ghost Monument. Oh no, I want to check out the Ghost Monument next week. Now, <laughs> we'll not do the whole series. No, no, no. no. <laughs> One day. I mean, I mean, um, we've actually sort of touched upon the rest of the series with because uh, we have mentioned some of the other episodes. Um, yeah, I was talking a while back about doing a whole series 11 retrospect podcast mm-hmm. so at some point before the next series comes out uh, i don't know if you think that's something worth doing or not Nah. no of course no, we've no. got the the blu-ray we could talk about i haven't actually watched the special features yet oh okay but um yeah maybe we don't need to no i mean don't get me wrong though um i think if i was going to be honest i think of of new doctor who um, I think series 11's probably one of the worst. Um, but that isn't to say that there aren't good things in it. I mean, as as I said, I think in our, our previous podcast, the, the way that I described it is that series 11's okay as a whole. Uh, it's just okay. Yeah. Um, but with, but as I say, ticking it as a whole, there are nonetheless some cracking good episodes in there. Rosa, I think, is, is, a, is a, an absolutely stirring episode. The Witchfinders is one of my favourites. Uh, Kablama, um, I uh, I have a great deal of fondness for. I, I like that episode a lot. Uh, the rest of the series is where the problems lie, and again, I think it's just because you know it's it's okay. 
But within those, like, for example, Arachnids in the UK, I think there's a good story there. And for the most part, it works. But uh, there are certain elements, certainly with the way that the Doctor resolves the situation, which is a bit weird and doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Um, you could certainly question what was the point in certain stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think what, the uh, the Sanango conundrums just. Uh, I remember not particularly liking that episode a lot, but I think when we reviewed it, did I say it was pretty average? I can't remember what ranking I gave it, but I think as time's gone on, I, I've come to dislike that episode a lot more. Mm, okay. um, I think that's probably my least favourite, and the battle of the one I can never remember the name of. Even though it did, because I remember we did a podcast where we were sort of quizzing each other on it, and um, you actually told me the name of the episode, and yeah. I, I just it, for some reason it just I, my brain cannot retain it. No, <laughs> is it the 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 Battle of Avran Avran I can't. I'm not. Ran- I mean, it wasn't memorable to me either, but I had this <laughs> knack of remembering ridiculous words from Doctor Who, like um, I don't know. Russell T. Davis came up with these stupid words like Raxacorica Phalibatorius or Ah, but I love that. That's funny. And tribophysical that that... Tribophysical Waveform Microkinetic Extrapolator <laughs> or um Banacafalata or some stupid names or um <laughs> Yeah, but uh, they were having uh, he was clearly having a lot of fun with that yeah. and then when you got Ra- Rapsicola Phalibatorius mm. and the twin planets clomp. Mm, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's funny. I like that. that. You know, that it's witty and it's just daft and fun. Um, that I just cannot for the life of me remember. And the episode itself was was pretty meh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. But I think if the worst we can say about it is that it's okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's not. It's not. We're not talking about the absolute dregs of television here. Um. And as I said, it um. There's some really good stuff. And I know that I think I've probably come across uh, quite negative with a woman who fell to work in this podcast, which I don't want to be. But having said that, though, I do think there's there's some stuff here to uh, to criticise. But at the same time, there's an awful lot of good stuff in this episode. It, it, it has got good atmosphere. It has got a good villain. It uh, it does have a good story. It has it has very good actors in it. Mm. Um, there's a lot to like. Even though there is an, there is a few bits not to like, I'm very grateful that it is coming back for another series, because there's always that there was always that doubt that maybe it couldn't, <laughs> or maybe that was the end, or maybe it would get um, a different creative team behind it, and that would kind of um, put a bit of a grey area over the whole narrative, wouldn't it? You know, is is this the legitimate continuation that was intended? Um, so I'm very grateful that it's going to continue. Yes, I hope, yeah. I hope, it, hope it improves. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure it would because I think uh, I think when we when we were reviewing the the series originally, I think because again going back to it, we we do generally love the show and we don't want to be sort of like needlessly negative and down on it. Um, but I do think with this series there is a, a there is a lot to legitimately criticize. But again. As I said, if the worst that you can say about it is, it's okay. It's you know, th- there's fine. There's there's a there's a lot to build on. There's something about the approach. One, I think uh, they've got a really good cast, with regulars. So not only do you have good actors, but you've got good characters. And I do like Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. So that's a really good, um, that's really good. 
and you can do an awful lot with that. The series did contain a lot of um, really, you know, it, it, it did contain really good episodes. Rosa, as I said, I know I keep on going on about it, it's very strong. I don't think it's just one of the best episodes of Series 11. I think it's one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever. It's that good. And as I said, I really like Witchfinders and Alan Cummings' uh, performance as the king. I just think it's superb. Yes, I, I really want Series 12 to sort of build on the strengths that this series has and then and be a lot better as a, as a whole. I think it will be. Yeah, one uh, of my as... hopes is that um, it bears more of a similar similarity what, to what came before. Series 11 seemed quite contained. It almost feel like Chibnall had drew a line in the sand in between what came before and what's to come. And so I hope... Um, there's a more of a mix, you know. Um, I hope. I mean, we get a lot of ridiculous, amazing stories in all the um, the Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat eras. Um, certainly, a lot more fun, more fun stories. So I hope we get more of that in the future. You know, we get this, we'll still get this great drama because we've got these established characters, but put them in more ridiculous circumstances with re- re- returning villains. You know, there's or elements. There's no harm to that. Mm-hmm. Oh no no yeah, but uh, I would I want the series to to get the balance right uh, because one th- one thing that I I do like is the idea of, of original ideas and original creations. Tim Shaw was one of those, and it works very well. Uh, as I said, I think he would work far more effectively with this just being his only appearance. But you know, it is what it is. I would love a multi doctor story. And it doesn't have to be something too over the top. You know, I would love to have maybe Colin Baker back or someone. I don't know. <laughs> Just it, It's insane that these uh, Doctors haven't been brought back to a, in a major extent. No, true. But I think that there comes a point when... I suppose it's it's to do with... I don't um, think the age matters. Because we've had time crash. There's always a way to explain it. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. I, I, I think, I, think uh, I would certainly... My my first preference would be um, Paul McGann. Uh, well, I, w- I was going to say that, but in this in this instance, I didn't want to keep repeating myself and saying, you know, I want more Paul McGann. I would like to um, see more of the other Doctors too. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, I mean it, it's it's interesting because we're we're getting more because uh, I mean he's just re- uh, he's just released his autobiography and we're we're finding uh, more about. Um, the pain that Christopher Eccleston has has experienced over the years, not just in terms of his time at playing the Doctor, um, but yeah, uh, he he, you know, he's he's being very open and honest about um, a lot of issues he's 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 suffered from. It would be nice if Christopher Eccleston came back to play the Doctor, but uh, I think it'd be very understandable if if he did. Oh yes, I think more than ever now, I'm fine if he doesn't. You know. He's got to a point where he's openly talking about how he's accepted Doctor Who more in his life now in the fandom. He's doing he's doing more events. I know he's done a few in the past two or three years, but now it's affecting him in a positive way. Maybe it's healing him in a certain way, and and knowing that he's feeling better within himself that's more important than having him return to the show, isn't it? Oh yes, yeah, 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 uh, without a doubt. Um, so as long like, as he's yeah. in a good place, yeah, that's kind of all that matters, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, because at the end of the day, Doctor Who's just a television show. Yeah. Uh, it's 
I mean, we're big fans of it and we, we love it a bit, but in the grand scheme of things, it's it's not that important. Um, yeah, whereas the, the, the health and well-being of, of Christopher Eccleston, you know, far outweighs, you know, is far, far more important. Do you remember we were at a convention and we were in line for Sylvester McCoy? I think he might have been a bit late or something and we were near the front of the queue because we had the gold wristbands and um, someone, came us, out, yeah. someone, someone came out and said... Oh, look, um, Sylvester's just going to do one autograph instead of two. Mm-hmm. And I instantly came out and said the words, it's okay, I'm sure everyone will understand. And then I thought to myself, you know, a lot of people probably won't understand and won't be as accepting of that. Probably a few people will be raging about that, do you think? Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, because, um, you know, he was running a bit late. And, uh, I mean, the, you know, it's... it's uh, and Just going back it, to pe- people's... Um, the way people can be a bit judgmental about the show yeah. and yeah, I don't uh, know. yeah, um, and yeah, I, I would have been happy lot... to forfeit getting my autograph. If, if it, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want walking up and getting my autograph to be any hassle, you know. If if he doesn't want to do it, mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so the circumstances have to be important, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm, you're not I, personally. I'm, I'm not getting an autograph to sell. It's, it's a memory, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was. I mean, we we got an autograph, and that was uh, that was really good. And there was an awful lot uh, of people to get through. Yeah. So it, a... it uh, you know, and it was explained, and uh, it made sense. So yeah. God, do you remember the queue for William Russell was out the door. Oh. And we we got bumped to the front, didn't we? They were like, "Oh, you you don't have to wait in this queue because we had a gold wristband." So they pulled us forward and then put us back in the queue for someone else or something like that. I don't remember. Well, what happened was because they changed the queuing system because originally what it was is that we, you know, you would you would queue in one place and then you would work your way along the um, the uh, the guests, uh, the tables and get the autograph, which actually was quite a nice way. It was you know because uh, you had a bit of a time to chat, um, you know, because I remember having a chat with uh, with Janet Fielding and that was a, that was a bit of a laugh and that was quite good and having a bit of a chat with Paul McCann. But then what happened was that then they then changed it so. Uh, you then had to queue separately for for everyone instead so, of que- going in one queue and then going along the, the along the table of people to get their signatures. Yeah, I do remember we were at the front and we mentioned why we have to that everyone's being made to queue five times over or something. <laughs> and Peter Purvis stood up and kicked off. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I remember. Well, he didn't stand up, but yeah, he, no, he, he, but he, he he's like, I can't do that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, stuff. well, I remember because yeah, he was he, he had ended up having a stern conversation with one of the uh, with one of the organisers and went, so I, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, he was just going, you don't know what you're doing. You, you, <laughs> yeah, I remember that, and I'm just going, go you, Peter Purvis, fantastic. Yeah, because <laughs> he wasn't horrible about it. You know, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't being a, a massive diva or anything. He was just firmly but friendly pointing out yeah. oh, come on you th- this is a ridiculous way of doing going about it but yeah no one else said that but they just kind of had the had their heads down william russell didn't say get back in line <laughs> <laughs> no i mean because uh, i mean because it, it wasn't a large venue that was the thing yes um, um they probably had an unprecedented amount of people there because although they'd been doing annual events it was the 50th anniversary wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah uh, yes, because uh, when you when you compare it, because uh, we ended up going to it was the same venue, but it was a couple of years later, and it was a completely different feel. It's a shame we weren't doing the podcast then. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. Went to all these question and answer sessions and we said nothing. Well, we didn't say nothing, but um, I, th- I feel like you may have asked one or two things, but we should mm-hmm. have been more prepared. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I mean, you if you were doing if, if we were doing the podcast then we would obviously you know be a bit more forthright i was just a bit more relaxed yeah, yeah. i do remember asking uh, some questions during uh, the, the the second convention that we went to yeah. but i uh, i was making a point of of not asking about doctor who cuz i know it was i know this sounds stupid because we went to a doctor who convention yeah but the constant focus on doctor who for the entire weekend was just really panning my head in yeah i oh, know yeah it was a bit overwhelming i remember we went to see Colin Baker at the end of the evening, didn't we? And there was mm-hmm. he was he was the kind of basically there was no one queuing up, so we went up. Mm-hmm. He said, "Oh, how are you how are you finding it?" And I went, "Oh, it's been a long day." And he went, "Oh, you're telling me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that was my conversation with Colin Baker. Yeah, I remember because he was asking how I was doing. You, know, I went, "Ah, oh, hunky dory." Don't know where that came from, but he, he sort of like picked up on the fact that Fraser had a bit of a laugh. I remember because Maureen O'Brien was there who played uh, Vicky in the Hartnell era. And from what I understand, she very rarely does um, conventions. So it was uh, I was absolutely thrilled she was there. Plus, she's one of my favourite companions. I remember asking her, oh, how, how are you finding it? And she sort of looked at me and she went, no, hang on, what did I ask? I went, oh, are you enjoying it? And she went, mm, as much as I can. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there was something about that convention I just, uh, I mean, I'm sorry because looking back on it, I probably wasn't um, probably wasn't the best of company. I, just, I wasn't for me. Yeah. Oh, not at all. Oh no, no, that's all right because I, I just remember I didn't I didn't enjoy that second convention. Um, oh, right, okay. Not not complete. I mean, there, there were there were good parts in it, but it was just uh, I found the whole thing a bit claustrophobic. A bit, a bit. Um, my head was being panned in with too much Doctor Who. And I actually thought a lot of the, well, not not everyone, because there were some nice people there, but there were some uh, fans who I thought were sort of like ruining the atmosphere a bit. In the evening, I think it was on the Friday night, because we got to go, we got um, the pass for the Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So on the Friday night, there was the VIP drinks reception. Yes. And... We didn't kind of get involved in that, you know. Like, we, I didn't. We didn't approach them and speak to them. Uh-huh. Um, I guess that for two reasons with me, that comes down to the fact that if I'm approaching maybe a celebrity, I don't want them to kind of have the feeling like, oh, I'm being approached by a fan and they have to like just grin and bear it and get asked the same old questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess another part comes out of my my social anxiety. You know, I'm not I'm not very good at speaking to people. I am good at speaking to people one-on-one, but when there's lots of people there, I find it hard to get into a conversation. I thought it was great that they said, oh, there's unlimited wine there, unlimited alcohol, but I felt like I was the only one <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> excited by that, and then I just didn't. I thought, oh, God, I'm going to get plastered here. It's going to be a great night. Uh-huh. Uh, and no one else was really drinking and down in jugs of wine, <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> Oh, you should have went for it. Yeah. No, because because we went there and it, it was a bit odd because I think you and I were, are, are similar in that sort of scenario, especially when it comes to you know celebrities or, um, uh, we sort of we, we don't want to feel that we're 
imposing on them and it feels a bit sort of artificial and sort of like a weird and yeah i felt exactly the same with you and a bit socially awkward but anyway we i i felt that we were quite relaxed and we you know we were just going with the flow and we were chatting to one or two people and it was fine it got weird though when one of the i mean she was being nice but um because one of the the organizers approached us and went uh um Oh, is there anyone that you haven't spoken to? And I thought she was just asking in general. I went, oh, uh, we haven't spoken to Nicola Bryant. And she went, oh, we'll sort that out. And then she she dragged us over to where Nicola Bryant was and tried to shoe her, shoe her, shoehorn us in when she was already having a conversation with someone. Uh, and she just went, oh, uh, they haven't spoken to you. And obviously, because she was in the middle of a conversation, she just went, she looked at us and went, uh-huh, and then carried on with our conversation. And then we're just like, well, this isn't awkward at all. No, um, it's worse. Yeah. You've actually, yeah, thanks, organiser, you've you've made this worse. Uh, it would have been better if we just approached her and just started laughing at the jokes or something mid-conversation and just butted her way in. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Yeah, that, that could, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was too many people there. It felt, it felt forced, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not really comfortable in those kind of situations. No, no, because yeah, I think it would w- work better in in a, if it was a bit more sort of. I don't, don't want to say intimate because that could easily be misconstrued, but you know what I mean. If it like smaller, <laughs> smaller people. Yeah. But um. Or perhaps the, if the drinks reception was at the end of the weekend when we you'd had a chance to speak to them, that maybe. Actually, better. that yeah, that that would actually make more sense. But I know that there's the option. There was the option to, for some people to have a breakfast with some of them. But the, the that would have been worse for me because I liked it. No, but I was about to say that is just the idea of that is just, oh no, that's just awful. <laughs> it's hard enough having to eat comfortably in front of people anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're out at a restaurant, you, you kind of um, you're more composed the way you eat. But if you're eating if you're eating on the city in front of the telly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one watching you, so you just yeah, just turn on the Rapsy Nasbit and you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> but when you're sitting opposite Sylvester McCoy having breakfast, or something, <laughs> maybe if you're a very confident and chatty person. Yeah, I think uh, oh, I was a bit funny the last time I was down London. Uh, this was back in uh, early August. Um, I was on the train, and uh, Giles Brandreth was on. Uh, for those that don't know, he was a former Tory uh, MP, but he's mainly known for being a sort of like a raconteur and uh, being on television and being, uh, he does quite a bit of um, uh, appearances on Just a Minute. He's actually written a book about poetry, which has just recently been published. Anyway, amusing guy. He's been on QI a few times. Anyway, he he was on the, uh, he was on, he was actually in, my, he was actually sitting on my coach. And... Um, I ended up uh, tweeting, and I copied him into it, so it was like a bit of a joke to see, if, you know, I wasn't being serious, but I just went, oh, I've just seen Giles Brandreth on the, on the train, and uh, and rather than being socially awkward and bumbling and forcing myself to say hello to him, I'll just just I'll just mention it stupidly on Twitter. Uh, I'll phrase it a bit better than that. It was sort of a joke, and then uh, like ten minutes later, he replied. He just went hello, so I went right, okay. Yeah, yeah. No way. So then, I went, right, okay, he's taken the... Had you tagged him on the tweet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. But, yeah, I mean, he didn't have to reply, but he did, and I thought that was quite nice. And I went, right, okay, he's uh, he's took the risk. I'm going to approach him. So I went up to him, and he... So, so he, he he'd had his laptop out or something like that, and um, 
he 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 then looked up and he went, he looked at me and went you're Liam aren't you and I went <laughs> 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 I just, just thought it was great and I just went well you took the risk and he went yes I did and we had a bit of a chat and it was a bit of a laugh and it was all quite friendly and nice and uh, I quite like that but um, but there's very few uh, I don't know why that's I, I was bold enough to do it on that occasion whereas um, actually going back. To one of our earlier podcasts, uh, this is last year when we were going through Jodie Whittaker's series, because I ended up um, popping off to to, uh, to Berlin and Seville, and when I was in Berlin, bumping into Sir Patrick Stewart uh, uh, in uh, the National Berlin Art Gallery and uh, the National German Art Gallery in Berlin, and uh, I just couldn't deal with it. I just sort of like it was confronted with, oh my God, it's Sir Patrick Stewart, and I just couldn't couldn't deal with it. So. I just walked, just walked out the room. Um, yeah, it's weird, but anyway. Yeah. Do you have any regrets? No, I don't. I think because uh, the full story, I think, is quite funny. And there was a when I ended up walking into the other room, he sort of followed. And there's a moment where we're admiring the same piece of artwork, and it's it's fine. And it was just, I can say that I met him, uh, but I'm pleased. Actually, I didn't bother him because my other two friends. Uh, ended up basically turning it into the paparazzi and sort of like pestered the poor man. So I'm pleased I wasn't there for that because I just I just thought that that was awful. And I think he was with his... <laughs> Do you think... No, 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 no I was just going to say, I think because I think he was with his girlfriend and he she sort of non-verbally confronted them and it just... Uh, anyway. How do you think being on the podcast now will affect you meeting people in the future? Do you think you'll um, put aside any um, issues you've got and just for the sake of podcast journalism, <laughs> be a complete arsehole a reporter kind of person. <laughs> I think... Uh, sticking a microphone in the face. Yeah, sticking a microphone in the face. <laughs> uh, no, I think I'll probably you know still be the same. I think I'll... Uh, be a bit more prepared, possibly. Uh, possibly. But then I'm always one of the... It's sort of like one of those things where, you know, if you were to bump into someone that, uh, that you, you know and sort of respect and admire or enjoy their, their craft or whatever... There is a big part of you, certainly a big part of me that you know you, you want to approach them and have a chat or just go you know I I I think you know you're wonderful or whatever. But at the same time, there's a part of me just going, but you know they're you know they're just normal people and they don't want to be bothered all the all the time. I don't want to impose myself. I suppose it's sort of just reading the situation a bit. Um, so for example, that time with Giles Brandreth, it was sort of that was opportunity and he sort of opened it up and it was fine and we had a bit of, you know a nice friendly chat and that was all right. Um, I th- again, it would sort of it would really it would very much depend on who they were. So, like for example, if I bumped because I I really like the Pet Shop Boys, for example. So if I bumped into Neil Tennant, I you know I don't know how, how I would open the conversation. I'm from Newcastle as well. I don't know, but um, yeah, I I would feel like I would maybe have to take a bit of just ca- casually walk up to Arit. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Perfect. I don't so I don't have to deal with that potential scenario. Um, <laughs> fantastic yeah um i don't know what it is something like, something like that i feel like i would have to sort of like take the leap and uh maybe just say hello and you know i, I, I got all your albums um or something in like of that. course at the conventions you've got to remember that they're being paid to be there to interact with fans so they expect people to kind of um speak to them if you know what i mean that's what they're there for yeah well, well and, the convention is a, is a bit different yeah and of course they've 
they've met thousands of people and they're not, they're not really going to remember you five minutes later either. So yeah. it's, it's a tricky one, but I don't want to come across as an um, overbearing person. No, no, because, yeah, and it's sort of that thing, because even though they're at the convention and there's sort of that thing, they are there to interact with the fans, but at the same time, you don't you don't want to feel that you... It's that thing of going, well, just be, there's, just because that's the situation, you don't want to, you know, overstep. And I suppose, you know, people are probably a lot more socially um, adept than, than we are, because to a great lesser extent, we are slightly socially awkward. My big thing is... Uh, I can be in a conversation and be going absolutely fine. I have, I think I've mentioned this in a previous podcast as well. I have difficulties, sort of getting the timing right to leave. Right. Okay. So yeah. the, there's times when it's been, you know, it's been absolutely fine. It's been witty and it's been funny and it's all been fine. And then I just sort of like linger a little bit too long. I'm just like, yeah, I've now made that. I've now made this moment slightly socially awkward. It's my gift. I find it hard to leave conversations when you. You're speaking to someone who is essentially a big talker. You know, they dominate a hundred percent of the conversation. Okay, I'm getting the hint, yeah. <laughs> no, not you, but you know you know, you know, um when you can't get a word in mm-hmm. and people just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And um it's almost like I'm conveying this body language that I'm un- I'm uncomfortable here, you know, I don't know where they I don't know where to put my eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, people are just talking and talking and talking. So I, I find it hard to um to end that kind of conversation mm-hmm. but no not a person like you though <laughs> <laughs> well that's all right then i suppose because I, I i do give you permission to speak on occasions <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry rob were you thinking oh is that why you look all, look shifty all the time and walking backwards out of doorways <laughs> just, <laughs> just nodding like, it all makes sense yeah people are strange or maybe i'm strange who knows uh yeah I mean, maybe we are, but then maybe it's the fact that you know, or maybe uh, people who are able to force themselves into other people are the weird ones. Yes, <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah, maybe at the conventions, the, the um, all these celebrity guests are thinking, those quiet people over there, I like them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just going that at the convention. They're awfully quiet. What's what's the point? Are we having a bit of, a bit of a dig at fans on a podcast? fans i don't know oh yeah are we turning one of them oh god we've turned into one of them aren't we it's just like getting just like we're gonna get pitchfork gifts on twitter <laughs> the, the digital mob oh god we've turned into those siphon titled knob fans are just going well, we're the proper fans no 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 no, no. get us oh for god's sake <laughs> right <laughs> should we start wrapping up yeah i guess so before we get killed <laughs> we better record um that if I die podcast. <laughs> yeah. Soon. Yeah, maybe. Because... Schedule that for next week. Uh, no, I, it's it's probably at this moment just go, no, I thought it was absolutely fine. It was when Rob said that we're all we're all potential murderers. That's when he overstepped the mark, <laughs> right? We need to kill him. Just going, aren't you proving his point? But anyway. So I think we'll soon wrap it up. Um if you enjoyed our conversation about the woman who fell to earth, great. If you didn't we also had another conversation about it on our first podcast. You can check that out on <laughs> cloisterbell.co.uk. You can listen to us on smart speakers now that I've, now I've learned, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. If you've got a smart speaker, just say, hey, play the Cloisterbell podcast. And it might. I don't know. If it doesn't, let me know. I'm curious to see which ones do and don't. And of course, we're available on iTunes, SoundCloud. Ooh, what's the other one? 
Spotify. <laughs> Actually, we are. We are on Spotify, yeah. Yes. And occasionally we're on YouTube when I bother to upload <laughs> the podcast there. <laughs> so actually, just just one last thing. So given that we've rewatched it and we there are elements of it that we like, there are elements of it that we were quite, quite critical of this. And we even said that it's a bit weird. It doesn't really have sort of like repeat value. I suppose it does like probably if we were coming back to it in five years time and enough time has passed. Mm. Um, mm. But anyway... What ranking would you give it? I have no idea. I feel... Did we rank it the first time? I'm not, uh, well, I'm not sure. If we did, I feel like I must have ranked it quite high. Mm-hmm. And half of that would have been out of my optimism for the future of the series. I thought this is going to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. I would rank it low down on um, my list of first Doctor stories that um, I would like. I would be likely to rewatch. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I don't want to rank it at this time. I'm feeling too... I don't know if negative is the word, but... Why don't you ask me in five years when we revisit? Re- re- right, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll ask yeah. you in five years' time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rank it? Well, that's the thing I'm finding it tricky as well. I suppose the number I keep on sort of giving it is 7 out of 10. Um, because I feel like... I feel like it is above average... So that automatically, you know, at the very least, that would give it a six. But then I feel that that would that, that that's a bit too low. But then, um, because I think, in many respects, it is quite a good episode. Um, but there are just sort of like one or two niggles about it, which we've explored previously. I, I don't know. I find this. Uh, I find it a bit of a funny one, uh, because I feel like. Because even though I think seven out of ten is a respectable f- score and it, it, one that it deserves, I also feel that it contradicts what we've been discussing, and obviously what we've just discussed is, is how I feel at the moment. So yeah, I'm f- I'm finding it a bit of a, a bit of a funny one to rank at the moment. Okay, so of series eleven, where would you rank it? Quite high. Mm, um, I think with series eleven, it would pro- it would certainly be in the top five. I think definitely one of the highlights yeah yeah because i think uh which finders is my favorite um rosa comes in at a very close second and then probably kablam at number three um just off the top of my head and then uh probably four or five then yeah so i think it would be in the top five of this series right but I agree with you with saying that in terms of uh, introducing a new doctor it's it's probably one that i would rank quite low Yes. Quite recently, we did a podcast on how memorable was Series Eleven. You can check that out. <laughs> yes. Um, with the page for this podcast on the website, I'll link all the other Twelfth Doctor podcasts. Thirteenth Doctor. Yes, Thirteenth Doctor. Yeah. Technically, she's the four fifteenth. Yes. Hold on. <laughs> she is the fifteenth. Um, fifteenth slot. Um. 15th life cycle, yeah. Right, okay. Is that right? I'm asking. <laughs> oh, right, you're asking me. I thought you were telling me. Uh, oh, do I have to work it out? Right, okay, so... No, t- t- two David Tennant's and one John Hurt. Yeah, yeah. To add, so... She's the 15th Doctor. Yeah. Right, okay, great. That's... Uh, <laughs> that, that's simple. That that's perfectly simple, yeah. 